Hello, hockey fans, and welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box here at the AHO Report. It is Tuesday, May 29th. Oh my goodness, our next episode is going to be in the month of June. I can't believe it. Uh, It is May 29th, and I'm, uh, of course, joined again, as always, by my fabulous co-host, Mr. Rick Stevens, the editor-in-chief and founder of Rocket Sports Media, and I'm your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. Rick, thanks for being here again. Thrilled to be here, and um, as you say, we're moving into June. We're also moving into the finals, the uh, Stanley Cup finals, game one was last night, and uh, the AHL Calder Cup final is all set and ready to go as well. Starts this weekend. No way. How did Mm -hmm. we get here already? We're here. We're here. Well, mm-hmm. we have a lot. We have a we have that and a lot more to cover today. Um, we have, of course, we want to actually before we get into the Calder Cup finals and all of those kinds of things. We have um, some Laval Rocket news, which is always nice to have some updates uh, from from Laval and the Canadians. As far as uh, we have some signings to talk about, and uh, there's also been a new announcement of of someone who's come on board to the Laval Rocket within the last week. So we'll have those things to, to talk about. And then we will break down the uh, Eastern and Western Conference final series. Uh, those two series in the, in the AHL are wrapped up and are in the books, as they say. And so we'll talk about how things went down, particularly with the Phantoms and the Marlies. Um, and we'll go through listen to a little bit of audio from uh from the last game as far as uh, the phantoms are concerned and uh hear some audio from that and then we'll move into a little bit of western conference final which just ended last night uh that ended up being a, a pretty exciting series so we're going to talk about that a little bit uh and at that point as well we're going to bring in a very special guest uh that we're going to have on the show with us later on in the show, and that's going to be Patrick Williams. He is the AHL correspondent for NHL.com, and so we're super excited to have him on the show today. Uh, He's going to join us in just a little bit to kind of talk about uh, what he saw in in the Phantoms' deep run into the playoffs this year, their series with the the Marlies, and then, of course, the Western Conference final series, and a little preview of what's going to happen coming up in here into the Calder Cup Finals. So we'll have Patrick Williams in just a few minutes. Um, and, uh, yeah, like you said, Rick, we've got a, we've got a lot of uh, final series stuff to cover today. It's, it's a pretty exciting time of year. It sure is. And it's so busy, we don't even have time for na- the National Day calendar. And I'm sorry because we've received – I received DMs. Last week, and, and Kathy, thank you, and um, she was all excited about National Wine Day. National Hamburger Day was yesterday. There's some fun days coming up this week with Donut Day and, and Leave the Office Early Day, but we just don't have time for that. Really? No, leave the Office Early Day? We'll right on. Le- we could talk about Leave the Office Early Day. <laughs> That's yeah, leave the office early day is Friday. That's also a nas- uh, National Nail Polish Day, National Donut Day as well. All packed oh into one day. Yeah. Wow. I don't mm-hmm. know what's better than that. The donut, the donut portion of the day or the leave the office early day. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> leave the office early to get donuts. How about that? Hey, I like that. I like that. 
Well, let's first just uh, briefly talk about some things uh, that are happening with the Laval rocket. Uh, we did mention uh, right off the bat that there was a new announcement out of Laval as far as coaching staff is concerned. We've we've talked last week about how uh, Joel Bouchard has been announced as the newest uh, head coach of the Laval Rocket, and just and actually, I think we even said in last week's show that we we had a feeling uh, there were some rumblings that uh, an assistant coach was going to be announced within the next couple of days. And sure enough, uh, just after that, on Wednesday it was the next day, I think uh, it was announced that Daniel Jacob has been uh, assigned as and hired as the assistant coach with the club. And Rick, uh, Joel Bouchard and Daniel Jacob know each other. A little bit, I think, right? <laughs> a little bit. Um, yeah, it, it was uh, it was nice um, of Mark Bergevin to uh, clear the decks and uh, allowing Joel Bouchard to bring in his uh, his own people, his own coaching staff, and uh, next to him uh, from his last stop, they spent four years together coaching the Armada. Um, was Daniel Jacob, and and um, so back together again. Notes. Um, it's uh, <laughs> Jacob and Bouchard, and um, yeah, they're uh, they are continuing what they've um, hopefully continuing what they've been able to do with the Armada, uh, and now uh, both back behind the bench of the Laval Rocket. Well, it'll certainly be interesting to see. There's still another assistant coaching position to fill, uh, so it'll be interesting to see what pool that comes from. As you say. Uh, not uh, not going too far too too far astray for Joel Bouchard there pulling in uh, someone that he knows quite well and has worked with quite extensively over the last few years. So it'll be interesting to see where that final position gets filled and how it gets filled. Um, and I imagine they'll try to make that decision uh, in a relatively short period of time as well, so that everybody can get together and have the summer to really put some good work in. Um, the think, Canadian. Just, oh, just go ahead. I'm to, sorry. Just to just to finish your point there, I think um, you know there's lots of speculation about who that person might be. I'll just note uh, that there is still no uh, pro coaching experience um, behind the Laval Rockets uh, bench, and um, why that's important. I mean, um, I, I've seen lots of fans say, "Well, you know." Um, the, the two of them are experienced with, with younger players, so it'll be easy for them. It's at the AHL, keep in mind, it's a different kettle of fish. Um, it's not all about winning. It's, uh, you can focus on winning at winning at the NHL level. At the AHL level, you have to focus on development, and that sometimes doesn't mesh very well with winning because you've got to allow um, – your your prospects to to play and to make mistakes and um, so the AHL is a different kettle of fish and you need someone in there who understands that and let's hope that uh, they fill that particular coaching vacancy with someone who has pro coaching experience um, but that yet to come we'll see absolutely and and you are right there we talked uh, you know folks if the if if folks missed our, our episode last week, we did talk quite a bit about how that seems to be um, kind of a new theme with, with Bergevin and Joel Bouchard in their pressers uh, when, when Bouchard was hired uh, a week or so ago, that a bigger focus is going to be put on winning with the AHL club. And, and as we said, you know, that in the past, Montreal's farm team has focused, like many AHL clubs do, on development. Uh, 
um, not necessarily at the at the dismay of winning or, or, or at the cost of winning, but that a big focus was on development. And with, with Bouchard wanting to really put a good focus on winning as well, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all balances out um, so that you're not neglecting your prospects and you're, and you're not neglecting their development, but at the same time you're getting wins in the win column and not ending up last in the league again like they did this year. Um, just to mention, the Canadians did announce uh, this week that they have uh, agreed to terms with two free agent defensemen out of the Czech League um, signing uh, two-year entry-level contracts, and that is David Sklenichka and Mikhail Moravchik uh, from from the Czech League. Uh, both of them actually also played for the Czechs in the World Championship this year, uh, both registering some points. Uh, Glenichka with three goals and 11 assists over the season, uh, as well as two assists in eight games at the World Championship. And then uh, Moravchik, five goals and 11 assists, 11 assists over this past season in the Czech League. Uh, he's 6'4", 212-pound defenseman, by the way, um, and had a goal and two assists uh, with the Czechs at the World Championship. So two defensemen, both coming from the Czech League, uh, both signed to two-year EHL uh, ELCs uh, this this past week, Rick. So looking like they're adding a little depth uh, back there on the blue line, and probably along the same lines as as um, the hope was for uh, Urabic um, uh, mm-hmm. last year, and and he started out um, with the Laval Rocket and moved uh, moved up to the Canadians um, as the season went on. Um. And yes, your Arabic is the correct pronunciation for that. And you did really well. Um, not, well you know, we don't talk enough about our um, one of our other um, RSM sites, and that's uh, the checklist, uh, where um, articles about the Montreal Canadiens rocket are, are uh, translated from by Ivka or our. Uh, our translator from Prague, and um, and she could probably give us uh, a very good pronunciation of the new folks' names. Um, but uh, I'm trusting yours uh, until we get there. <laughs> I did a little research. I didn't just. I, I sort of. I was gonna wing it, and then and then I I dug around a little bit to see if I could find some pronunciation. So I can't take all the credit. I had some help. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, so those two new signings, and you know, with June coming at the end of this week, we're getting we're certainly getting into the season where um, contracts are going to be starting to come through uh, before before draft day, and of course, then free agency opens up, and that's a whole other ballpark right there. <laughs> All right, well, moving along over to hockey that's still going on. Um, the Phantoms and the Marlies brought their series for the Eastern Conference Final back over to Allentown this past week. Um, what was supposed to be games three, four, and five ended up being only games three and four, as unfortunately the Phantoms were swept in this series. Toronto uh, went ahead and, well, Wednesday night's game, I think, was, I don't even know what you would want to call that, but <laughs> it was it was not a game that the Phantoms were particularly proud of. They were you know, after after not winning a game in Toronto in two pretty closely fought games in Toronto, um, they come on home ice and um, 
Toronto scores their first goal just about over just over a minute or so into the first period on a bad turnover behind the net down low, and it went downhill from there. They were shut out five to nothing that night. Um, so then they found themselves backs against the wall, down three nothing in the series. Uh, came in Friday night playing a much different game. Frankly, playing the kind of game I expected to see them play on Wednesday. They were physical. They were fast. They were. Uh, relatively disciplined they were they were getting shots uh, on net but still came up short unfortunately and Toronto took the sweep um, wasn't an easy two, it wasn't an easy two games to watch Rick I have to, I have to say it was it was a shame after the run that the Phantoms have gone on uh, to, to see things and the way that they did well uh- Coming up, uh, you know, through the different series of Providence, uh, Charlotte, um, my question was always, how are the Phantoms doing this? Because it looked mm-hmm. like they were being outplayed, and yet they would get uh, timely goals or take advantage of opportunities or get great goaltending. Um, and they, they managed to get by two teams that, uh, for a good portion of those series, had outplayed them. Um now they now in against the the Toronto Marlies, a, a team that was stacked with talent on all lines. Uh, in fact, uh, there was a fair bit of talent um, with you know even in the scratches. Um, Jeremy Bracco couldn't get in the lineup, um, and um, you know that 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 Wednesday night game just baffled me because the Phantoms came out and there was zero intensity. Um, no, absolutely nothing. And in fact, and, and, and uh, Patrick Williams was sitting next to me, and I, I said, "Pat, is, is this a playoff game? Because it seemed like <laughs> an exhibition game in in uh, you know uh, early uh, early October, and and um, yeah. there was nothing. The fandoms had nothing. Uh, as you said, they came out quite differently, and they hid everything." Uh, on Friday night in that first period, um, and we're just and the going fans to punish. It. <laughs> yeah, they did, and they they were going to punish the uh, uh, the Maple Leaf, or the uh, Marlies, and and uh, as you said, building was into it. There was there was a lot of energy, um, and the the Marlies just just took it. Uh, they accepted the punishment and and went about their business. Uh, they didn't start running and chasing. They didn't retaliate. They didn't take bad penalties. They just absorbed it mm-hmm. and and went about their business and and uh, actually outshot the the uh, uh, the Phantoms nine uh, four in that first period. No score at, at the end. Um, but uh, after that first period, you know, it seemed that that uh, that the game remained close uh, throughout. But but. Um, after the Phantoms gave it all they had in the first period, uh, particularly in the physical department, it seemed like they were, you know, questioning, can we beat this team? Can we really beat this team? And I think that was um, definitely their undoing. Yeah, well, that was actually the first thing that I asked uh, head coach Scott Gordon after the game was whether or not he was uh, happy with, the bounce back effort after Wednesday night, and and this is what he had to say in response to that. Yeah, the first period, I, you know, like you could tell, the guys were disappointed with Wednesday's performance. They came out, they finished checks, and and 
I think basically they just let uh, Toronto know that it was going to be a different game and uh, it wasn't going to be easy for them, and uh, it wasn't. So, um, you know, it was, it was good to see, uh, and I didn't doubt it that, that it was going to happen. Uh, we've, we've shown um, all year long uh, the ability to bounce back after a bad performance, and, you know, it wasn't uh, – it wasn't our best game, but from an effort standpoint, it was it was what we needed, and and we got it, and uh, we just didn't get the end result. So he was pleased with how with with, with that amount of fight in them. Um, I would have liked. I think I would have liked to have, have heard him, you know, really kind of get a little more um, passionate about how hard they did come out and work in that first period. But you know, it was minutes after they had just uh, been eliminated for the season. So I'll chalk it up to that. Um, but Colin McDonald was asked something similar in, in the post-game scrum about just the energy in the team and, and things like that, and, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, I said to Chris, yeah, I was just really happy with the way the guys responded. You know, you go down 0-3 against a team that's really good. It's, it's kind of human nature to kind of your mind starts to switch to that off-season mode, and um, and, and I get it, right? But uh, I thought our actions really spoke loud tonight, and um, just really no passengers. So um, it, talking about that, I'm just really happy with the get, with the way the guys responded. And Rick, the one thing that was that was consistent throughout most of the time, I would say, um, and especially in this series, the goaltenders. Garrett Sparks ended up being the better goaltender. Of course, they won the series. But but Alex Lyon had a had a had a good performance again. Um, and and especially on the, in that fourth game on Friday night, he looked he looked comfortable. He he looked solid. His rebound control was a little bit better. Um, you know, again Wednesday night was kind of just all over the place for the whole team. But Alex Lyon really seemed uh, to kind of come into his own a little bit during this entire postseason. Um, for the Phantoms. I think so. And, um, you know, if you think back um, to the beginning of the season, um, not, not much on uh, the radar of um, Phantoms fans or Flyers fans. Um, he had spent time in Reading and, and, um, but um, I, I really, I, I, he's, he's smart. Um, he's even keeled, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, that other than the the, the the being kicked out of the game on Wednesday, that was kind of that kind of showed the you know if if Alex Lyons getting frustrated, uh, certainly um, the rest yeah. of the team is because he's a pretty calm guy. He's a pretty uh, strategic guy. He thinks about what he does. Um, so when that happened, it kind of it kind of you got the sense of uh, gee, this this team is 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 worried a bit, but. But uh, he's really set himself up nicely, um, and uh, and and was uh, uh, had some time in, in uh, with the Flyers this year, and I I I, I like his approach, um, I like his demeanor, and um, and just uh, one of those thinking goalies, and and uh, and you always like that. Absolutely, we uh, he was asked in the post post game scrum uh, just in general his thoughts on the game and the series. And, and he has, he, as you say, he's very thoughtful when he gives an answer. He's, he really thinks the game in a very big way. Uh, and he had some comments about the Toronto Marlies. You know, I, you look up and down their roster, obviously very, very talented, but 
I mean, I think it's just a team that's built very similarly to us. Um, and uh, I guess that the word that I think of when I think of them is just very mature. Um, you know, they just played an NHL-style game, uh, really tenacious. You watch the Ned Vegas team, and I see a lot of similarities. Play with speed, confidence, um, and that's what it's all about at this time of year is doing the, the really minute details and executing them well, and I think that they did that to a T. I really like the way, and that's, that's not the first time that he's done this, um, where he'll take an answer that he's giving to a question and, and he'll then compare it and frame it to a recent NHL game or NHL team that he has watched or studied or things like that. And, and that's why I mean he really thinks hockey as far as the big picture. And he, it, he seems to take his current situation and, and he, he absorbs, I feel like he's a bit of a sponge. He absorbs hockey wherever he sees it and, and relates it to his own game and his own team. Um, and just really, just a very mature um, response, very mature outlook on the game, um, and and I think I think things are going to be good for him going forward. For sure, yeah, absolutely. And and um, you know the the Flyers um, have always um, have had trouble with their their goaltending, and and when you when you think about Alex Lyon, when you think about. Uh, Anthony Stolarz, who who uh, mm-hmm. ran, in, ran into some injury uh, situations. Carter Hart joined the team um, at the at the end. Um, there's 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 a future there um, in the goaltending ranks, uh, and Flyers fans should be uh, very happy about that. Absolutely. Um, the one thing he I asked him in the in the post game. Just in general, you know, it's it's always hard. You're as I said, you're cupping your minutes off of your season being over, so you can't get into really, you know, big philosophical questions. It's hard to to break through just that overwhelmingly disappointing feeling that's kind of hanging over the room. But I did ask him just just as a kind of as a start, you know, what it meant to him and the rest of the team to go this far into the playoffs. Um, you know, making it to the to the Eastern Conference final is, uh, you know, it's a big deal for 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 this team. Um, and so I asked him what he thought about it, and here's what he had to say. Uh, we have so many young guys, a good young core here in Philly, and obviously a great veteran group as well uh, to complement the young guys. And um, I, I feel like we come we came in here last year and well at least that's when I got here and um, you know we just wanted to build something and uh, you know they hadn't made the playoffs in seven years before last year so uh, just try and take pride in in Lehigh Valley and um, obviously we all want to make it to the Flyers but it's important to uh, embrace where you're at and um, I think it's just uh, there's a lot of positivity uh, in terms of the young group coming up. So again, a, a positive, mature response, and I just wanted to play that because I thought it was um, it was just a, a nice response from him in a moment where it was probably hard to come up with some positive things to say, uh, uh, for sure. Um, on the flip side of that, you know, this was a team that got swept in the finals. Um, 
and after making it so far, had to have been an incredibly disappointing and, and let down way to end your season. And um, Captain Colin McDonald acknowledged, okay, maybe at some point down the road, there's some positive things that we can pull out of this. But he also had some very strong words for, for not forgetting about what it feels like to get to, to leave your season this way. The last thing I want is uh, for, for the guys to be okay with this. You know, it's 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 about winning championships here, and that's the precedent where we're trying to set here. And um, you know, again, we we took the right step last year, and we took another step this year. And um, you know, we have a lot of guys in this room that will be back next year, so we just really got to remember this feeling, and um, you know, to try and prevent this from happening again next year. So that's that's quite a statement from from your your leader in the room there from your captain saying, don't forget this. We're going to be back next year, and and we don't want to feel like this again. You know, we we want to go all the way. And it's it's a very good point to make, and I I think it, it reminded me of uh, when Paul Maurice spoke after the the Jets exit, uh, and that was um, um, remembering that that. Um, you know, there isn't an automatic ticket. There isn't a free pass. There isn't an exemption next year. Just because you've gotten so far this year doesn't mean anything for next year. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. And that seemed to be the, the uh, there, there was uh, somebody that asked the question, okay, now that we're this far, you know, let's go to the next step. And, and, and I think, I think that, that um, Paul Maurice and, and, and it was said here again that you earn everything and you have to start from, from uh, square one again and earn it all again next year. And, uh, and so don't be satisfied. Don't, don't take anything for granted next year. It's all about uh, hard work and effort and doing it all again uh, in the fall. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I'd like, let's see if we can get some additional insight on, on this series and how it ended and just, you know, the run, the run up to the finals, in general, uh, across the Eastern Conference, and particularly with the Phantoms, I'd, I'm happy to uh, now bring in a very special guest for us today. Uh, we have Paul Williams with, uh, with us. Uh, sorry, Patrick Williams here with us today. Sorry about that, Patrick. Uh, Patrick Williams here with us today, the AHL correspondent for NHL.com. First, did I get your title correct? <laughs> yes, you did. Thank you. Okay. Okay, good. Um, Patrick, thanks so much for being with us today. We're, we're really glad to have you here on From the Press Box. Yeah, my pleasure. Happy to be here. So you've, you've been uh, listening a bit here as we've been kind of recapping how things ended up between the Phantoms and the Marlies. And can you just give us a little bit of, of and you were, you were at those two games uh, in Lehigh Valley this week. Can, can you give us your feeling on what went right for the Marlies and what went wrong for the Phantoms? Um, pretty much everything went right for the Marlies and uh, for the Phantoms. <laughs> they ran into uh, an absolute buzzsaw of a team that uh, you know I've seen. I've seen them as much as I've seen any team this year, and, and I've yet to find any significant weaknesses with this Marlies team. It's it's just a team that that is so deep, that is so well coached, and uh, just so consistent that it's uh, really hard to pick them apart even in one game, let alone try to do that four times in the series. So uh, I think for the Phantoms, uh, it was, I mean, 
we saw them try to take different approaches against the Marlies, and each time in each approach they took kind of backfired on them. So uh, it's a kind of uh, series where you almost got the sense of Phantoms. They knew they were in over their heads, and at the end all they could do is tip their cap to the Marlies and acknowledge that uh, this was a team that was better than them. Uh, this was not a series that was really close in any way. This was a series where uh, the Marlies held Lehigh Valley, uh, you know, one of the top offensive teams in the league all season to 36 shots over the final two games uh, on home ice. So uh, that kind of summed up the series for, for the Phantoms. Uh, that's uh, how do you beat a team like the Marlies when you have an average of 18 shots per game? So, uh, if you even manage to get through that Toronto defense, then you have to try to beat Garrett Sparks somehow. And uh, you, know, <laughs> you, you have to play a perfect game four times. The Marlies even have a chance in the series, and that's that's a tall task. Absolutely. So, go ahead, go ahead, Rick. Uh, hi, Patrick. It's Rick Stevens. Uh, glad to have you as a seatmate for those games at the PPL Center. Um, you talked about the the Marlies. Uh, uh, defense, uh, which, as you said, is 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 imposing, and they they tend to shut down offenses. But um, talk about the offense as well, because uh, they just attack in waves. And and if it's not Andreas Janssen, you, you have Trevor Moore and, and Ben Smith and Carl Grenstrom and and Altonen and Timoshov. They're all contributing in, in the playoffs this year. And and how how is uh, a team like Texas going to defend against such a powerful offense? Well, I think that's the thing with Toronto is, is they never let up and you never get a break. There's never there's never a line where you can you can not not catch your breath, but you can uh, regroup a little bit and, and uh, maybe not have to have your best best players out there all the time. It's just one wave after another after another. Uh, you handle the the Andreas Janssen line, which uh, he he frankly is too good for the American League at this point. Uh, he him with Mira Altonen and and Carl Grunstrom, I and mean, that line is the best line in the league right now. Uh, and uh, we've just seen what Grunstrom brought after he came in late in the season from Sweden. Uh, he just kind of turned a lot, you know, two players that were already really, really uh, peak elite AHL players in a lot of ways. Uh, he just helped them to find another level. And then you have the next line: Ben Smith, Chris Miller, uh, two good, solid veteran guys who can really. Uh, stabilize things uh, in the rare occasion when they do get off track. And then you have two, uh, I guess you would call them lines three and four, but uh, they don't really play like it. Uh, those two lines that can grind down opponents that when you, uh, that by the time it's uh, Andreas Janssen and friends, time to come back on the ice, your defense and your players are pretty beat. So it's just that constant, just time after time, that forecheck, that, that, that constant pace that the Marlies play with that just wears teams down. And uh, when you look at what they did to a team like Syracuse, third overall team in the league this year, and then Lehigh, second overall, and you sweep them both, uh, that says so much. And as far as uh, what Texas can do here, uh, better hope Mike kind of plays the series of his life because uh, he's going to be facing a really, really stiff challenge here. And uh, the Texas blue line is solid. Uh, I'm certainly not going to say it's not, but uh, the Phantoms also had a solid blue line that the Marlies just ran right through. Uh, so 
they better play perfect series. They better play uh, perfect 60 minutes each, each night that they're out there, and they better hope McKenna uh, can play better than he ever has. Uh, he's been phenomenal throughout the playoffs, but this is a whole new challenge. Uh, so this will be a massive test for, for the Texas Stars here. Rick had mentioned earlier, and, and it's something that we've talked about, it seems like each series that the Phantoms had managed to get through uh, in this postseason, as and, and Rick had just mentioned it a couple a couple of minutes ago, that there were times that you know he'd comment, you know, it, are, how how do they keep getting this lucky? Because there there were games in which mm-hmm. they were they would win, in which they were frankly outplayed. Were you um, expecting to be this Lehigh expecting this Lehigh Valley team to? be this strong and go this deep into the playoffs this year, given what they had, even though they were, you know, number two team in the league this year, um, or, or were you surprised to see them consistently get, get these wins and, and move through teams like Charlotte as easy as they did as easily as they did. I was a little bit surprised, I have to admit, but on the other hand, uh, Alex Lyon came in and settled in, and he, he was phenomenal throughout the playoffs. And then when you get a player like uh, yeah, Travis Sanheim coming into your lineup, and uh, you, know, you can get another big forward like they got, uh, you know, it's just uh, those are two major additions uh, early there in the first round that uh, really, I think, uh, they took a, a really strong team and made them an excellent team. And, uh, the way that they uh, went through Charlotte fairly easily, uh, you know, I know they had some, they had some, they had some bumpy spots there at times against Charlotte, but mm-hmm. Charlotte's a really good team and they handled them in five games. So, you know, I didn't expect them to get past Toronto, but I did expect uh, more of a more of a fight, and uh, it wasn't that at all. There was a little bit of, of that at times in Toronto, but uh, games three and four were. were pretty dominant uh, from start to finish by Toronto. Uh, yeah. Even in the game four, two, one game where Toronto controlled that almost from the start. Uh, they had to weather the storm a little bit. Lehigh did bring a pretty, uh, pretty solid first 10 minutes there, but the Marlies kind of shook that off. Uh, they're not a team that gets rattled. They're not a team that panics. And um, they were able to, to withstand that, that push and uh, peek over the game from there. And once they get it, once they get a, a goal on the board, uh, they're a real tough team to try to come back from uh, when you're behind. In the other series, uh, we have Texas and, and the Rockford Icehogs. And, and uh, the Icehogs, uh, to, to me anyway, were, were a bit of a surprise of the uh, the AHL playoffs. And, and they were just buzzing through and then kind of ran into uh, Texas, who, who went up um, – uh, 3-0, and, and uh, then the Ice Hogs fought back and grabbed a couple of games and, and took game six to uh, to overtime. It was kind of a, you know, a, a defensive battle, a goalie battle. You had Jeff Glass, he had 38 saves, McKenna with 38 saves. Um, um, Texas scored in the second, Rockford tied it up with a minute and a half to go, and then and then it was all Texas in overtime, and they, they ended it um, less than 10 seconds left in the first overtime. Um, so is, is that, um, if, if Texas already didn't have, uh, you know, issues facing the powerful Marlies, does, does a series like that take something out of, uh, of the stars? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, they had a chance to sweep it and get some, uh, some rest and instead they ended up having to, to 
take it six games, including overtime. Uh, this is already a team that played uh, nine overtime games now in the playoffs. They've gone 7-2, so they've been able to withstand uh, that pressure and that uh, situation, but a lot of extra playoff hockey to be playing, uh, especially with the uh, day with the Marlies looming. But uh, McKenna's been great, and in a lot of ways it's been the veterans that have been carrying uh, Texas uh, during the postseason. Uh, uh, Rupe Hintz has been great. He's a good young rookie. at had 20 goals this year. Uh, he's second in playoff scoring among rookies now with 11 points. He's been really solid. Uh, Second-round pick, so I, I expect him to contend for a job with Dallas. But mostly it's been the uh, the veterans, guys like Mike McKenna and Nett there. Uh, Captain Curtis McKenzie uh, has been really good. Travis Marin, a uh, guy who's been around for years in Texas, uh, kind of a real staple of that franchise. And, Brian uh, Quinn, yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. And then uh, a uh, kind of an unheralded guy like Sheldon Dries, who's undrafted, 24 years old, uh, rookie coming in out of college. He's playing on an AHL deal. He's uh, tied for the uh, league lead now in goals in the playoffs as seven. So a guy that's a really competitive guy. Um, what they really do need is in the in the final, if he does play, is Dennis Gurionov, who was a 2015 first-rounder. He needs to really step up here now. He was a healthy scratch uh, last night in game six. Uh, they need a lot more from him. He's gone 10 games without a goal. Uh, and uh, for them to have a shot, they need players like him to be uh, producing and really bringing their best game. Uh, I don't think anything less than a almost near-perfect series will, will get it done for Texas here. So uh, those guys have to carry, and then the veterans have to continue what they've been doing so well here in the playoffs. You know, Patrick, we we bump into you uh, quite frequently in in rinks all over the Eastern Conference, and so we we all know what exciting hockey American League hockey is, and and for for you know the fans that that we interact with, they all have a passion for for the game at this league. And I and I did see you mention on Twitter a little earlier today about how um, you were you were in a discussion about how. Um, ticket sales uh, during the the conference finals were were up, had some decent numbers represented, um, and that it looks to be that you know Toronto Toronto never has a problem packing Rico Coliseum, that's for sure. Uh, so it looks it looks like the the conference finals will likely be well attended. What is it, especially since you know the 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 AHL is is your wheelhouse? What is it about American League hockey that you think is is a such a draw and and b just such such good hockey to, to get involved with and invested in. I think it, 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 there, there's a lot of things. I think for fans, I think you know, ticket prices are, are reasonable. They're uh, certainly within uh, a lot more of a normal middle-class uh, price range than maybe you, know, you see at the NHL level. I think that's the first thing. I think uh, I think it's just a nice blend of uh, – the league has evolved a lot over the past uh, 10 years or so that uh, – you, you still have all your veteran guys, the guys that are really uh, kind of the character and the backbone of the league, and then you have this, this crew of veterans now, or the crew of uh, young prospects that come in here every year. It seems like they get deeper and better. Uh, I'm constantly amazed by the talent that I see uh, coming through now, guys who are you know, 20 years old, 21. You look at a guy like Timothy uh, Lilligren, uh, you know, 19 years old, playing for the Marlies on their blue line, and he looks like a 10-year pro in the NHL sometimes. So you have guys like that. It's a nice blend of young and, I guess, old, if you will. Uh, 
so that's a nice aspect. And I just, uh, I think it's just, uh, it's the old adage of guys that are, they bring it every night for the most part. They're coming in and they're competing for jobs. And, and I think the other thing is that the NHL and their teams have started really invest, really uh, put some both money and uh, time and resources into player development. It's become such a priority now. Uh, from where it was a decade ago, uh, that in the salary cap era, you are you're lost if you don't have a productive farm system. I think mm-hmm. even kind of the most resistant NHL teams have really finally accepted that message and uh, bought into it. And uh, I think it's just really increased the, the quality of the league. Uh, you see everybody now. There's no more of these dual affiliations. There's there's none of the the, the shortcuts and cutting corners that you used to see around the league. I think it's a uh, just a really good product uh, most nights, and uh, it's the kind of lead where uh, I guess it's unpredictable. You know, I, I sat there and I tried to do a, a playoff bracket, and you know, every year I do it in this league, and it's honestly it's a fool errand because uh, <laughs> trying to trying to predict anything in this league is, is yeah is almost impossible. You know, even when you watch it every night, like you know you and I do. And uh, you see, you know, things change fast in this league, and it just makes it really tough. Uh, but it also makes it really unpredictable and fun that, you know, you really don't know from night to night what you're going to see. So keeps you on your toes. Uh, a little hard sometimes keeping track of everything, especially now going up to 31 teams next year. I certainly never thought I'd see the AHL go coast to coast, uh, you know. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's a fun league, and uh, there's just a lot of uh, character and uh, – energy uh, from from these young kids. Excellent. Well, we certainly uh, have always appreciate when we uh, when we see you in a press box uh, and, and have a chance to chat chat with you. Uh, you're always great to speak with. A uh, wealth of information across the league. Uh, feel, feel free to give Patrick a follow on Twitter. He is at p williams nhl. If you'd like to uh, follow him and and kind of keep tabs on on his reports from around the league. And uh, Patrick, we just thank you very much for, for taking some time out of uh, what I'm sure is a busy schedule for you to, uh, to, to come and talk with us a little bit about pretty exciting uh, run up to the finish here for the Calder Cup finals. Yeah. Pleasure's all mine. And uh, you know, if it's anything like the last two years where even the four game sweep by Hershey uh, two years or by Lake Erie two years ago, was a competitive series. Great buildings, uh, great energy this time of the year, and uh, it should be a fun series uh, here with Texas and Toronto. But thanks for having me. I really do appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, Patrick. Uh, always a pleasure you. seeing you, and uh, and uh, we'll we'll see you again very soon. Uh, maybe at, uh, well for sure at the uh, the draft in in Dallas coming up at the end of June. Perfect. Excellent. Thanks so much, Patrick. Take care. Bye bye. Well, I have to say, you know, Rick, he's Patrick is always always a, a a great person to talk to in the press box. As we said, you know, we see him all over uh, the the Eastern Conference, and I know he does uh, Western Conference stuff as well. So he really gets around and sees the team teams, um, and uh, had some great comments for us for for the series that have already happened and the series that's uh, coming up here at the end of the week. Yeah, this should be um, starting Saturday. Um, Saturday in Toronto uh, at RICO, um, the 82nd uh, American Hockey League Championship. That's called the Cup Final. Uh, games one and two Saturday and Sunday both in Toronto. 
both four o'clock games again, like like the Phantoms had to contend with um, this past week uh, as well for games one and two in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, you know, a little little different, and especially you know Texas is going to have a um, I, I believe that they have a, a time change, a slight time change as well. So it'll be a little different for them, but will be very interesting to see how how this series goes down. It's going to be quite a battle. Um, and and we should just give a shout out to um, Todd Crocker and Bob McGill who um, yes. were uh, who we we spent some time with. Uh, uh, they are the uh, broadcaster the broadcast team for the Toronto Marlies. Uh, and they were uh, very generous with their time and, and uh, really enjoyed spending time with them uh, at the PPL Center and, and, um, and watch and look for their broadcast uh, of the Calder Cup final. Um, and, and follow them on, on, on Twitter as well. Todd Crocker's at Hockey Croc, at Hockey Croc, Bob McGill at uh, Big Daddy McGill. Alrighty, that sounds great. And yes, very, uh, very good shout outs there. We we enjoyed speaking with both of them. Um, now you did mention before, um, before you said goodbye to Patrick there, you mentioned that we would see him next month at the draft. And so we should take an opportunity here to just remind our listeners of a pretty, pretty fun contest we've got going right now at All Habs Hockey Magazine, right? We sure do. Um, we, if um, if you didn't hear us last week, we explained the contest and and what it is is uh, each year uh, we partner with the NHL uh, to give hockey fans a rather unique experience. The the the, the NHL entry draft is is um, I think one of the, the the best events on the calendar. Uh, everyone is in hockey is there this year in, in Dallas. Um, and um, what the NHL wants to, the NHL wants to give uh, kind of a, a, a different experience, more up close experience uh, to hockey fans. And so they partner with us to connect with our, our um, not only our, our fans, but um, with, for those that uh, are around North America, fans of any team, um, and uh, we have some reserve tickets available um, that you can win by contest, uh, and you can sit amongst the draftees, uh, the prospects. You can sit amongst their families and um, experience the emotion of what that's all about when their name is called from the podium. Um, a really, really fun event, a really great experience, and all those that have been with us in the past can attest to the fact that... Uh, there's just no other uh, experience like the uh, NHL entry draft with Rocket Sports uh, and uh, and all of our publications. All have Hockey Magazine, the NHL Report, uh, and others. Well, it's you know, like you say, it's a, it's a unique experience, and I don't think you know some people think, oh, it's the draft. Like, okay, it's the draft. I watch it on TV, or 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 maybe not. Um, but it's really one of those things that until you until you go, it's kind of hard to explain how much it should be on every hockey fan's bucket list um, because it really is just getting it's hard to explain what what it feels like in that building you know there's there's excitement, but there's also apprehension and 
every single hockey person under the sun, pretty much, uh, as far as coaches and GMs and 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 prospects and just all of it, they're they're all in one place right there. Um, and it's just a really unique experience. And like you said, with with getting the the partnership with the NHL and and being able to offer these special reserve seats, it's just unlike anything else to be able to to sit in amongst the prospects, you know, and there's always, and just the emotion with uh, the the players when their, their name is called and their parents and sometimes their grandparents and brothers and sisters. And it's just, it's a really, really unique experience. And it's one that I'm, I'm grateful that we've been able to uh, offer fans and been able to, to do so many times. And we certainly don't want anybody to miss out this year either. That's right. And it's, it's just, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a culmination for these guys, these uh, who put and their families who put in, you know, they've invested um, years and years and years at, at all levels of hockey and, and just the, the excitement and exhilaration and to, to be a part of that, um, you know, when, with, for Canadians fans, um, you know, right across the aisle there was Victor Meta, or or last year with Ryan Paling coming down, and um, and for Flyers fans, for yourself sitting with Travis Konechny and his family, or That's you know, there's, right. there's so many examples that that um, this is this is the start um, of their um, of their career, and and um, and it's just it's it's fun to be part of that. Absolutely. So make sure that you head over to um, allhabs.net. You'll get, you'll find a post all about it and including um, the rules to enter um, and, and what you need to do to enter the contest. It's not something you're going to want to miss for sure. <laughs> you're not going to want to miss it. So be sure you do that, enter the contest because, oh my gosh, the draft is coming up very quickly. Very very quickly, and I get at well as we and as we said the um, June is this weekend so yeah the draft is coming faster than we realized so be sure to join us and I've got to say Rick I mean we we packed it in there today um, a lot of great information and it's just a really exciting time uh, we we should mention uh, as you said at the beginning of the show that the Stanley Cup. Uh, final is already underway. And did we really did expect? Was that? Did you make your pick for the uh, the final ship? Well, I. Did. <laughs> it's, it's no, it's no, there's no secret who it's going to be. But, but have you declared it publicly? Oh, I don't know if I. Well, aside from on this podcast, I don't know that I've. I don't know that I've like. We, we haven't done it. our picks for for uh, we haven't done our picks. Should we do that quickly for both the NHL and AHL? Absolutely. Why not? We can do that. So, well, let, we we were on AHL, so let's start with AHL. And I'm gonna this. I you know now that I ch- I went with the Phantoms because I felt like I needed to go with the Phantoms. Um, but I, I think I even said last week that I thought that perhaps 
that was going to end up biting me. And it did. (laughs) And it did. So I'm going to have to go with Toronto this time, I think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think think it's going to have to be Toronto this time around. Yeah, I, I took the Marlies to um, to take out the Phantoms, so I will uh, stay on the Marlies uh, bandwagon and and um, and predict that they will um, win their first, their very first, which is hard to believe, Calder Cup. Really? Hmm. I don't think I realized it was their first. Uh, now you can in fact that. Uh, everybody out there can fact check me on that, but I think I think that's correct. Hmm. Well, look at you giving us a little history lesson today. That's pretty good. So, okay, I, and and I should I should clarify. I don't think I don't I don't think that the Marlies are going to roll through Texas as quickly as they did Lehigh Valley. I think Texas is going to give them a bit more fight. Um, I don't think it's going to go seven games. I think it might go five. I think it might go five. I think that's true. Marley's in five. Marley's in five. What, are we in agreement on the team and on the length of time? I think that is the first time, <laughs> the first time this playoffs, these age out playoffs anyway. Really? Well, let's see what happens on the NHL side. All right. So I don't think anybody would be too surprised to hear me say that um, I'm going to take the Vegas Golden Knights uh-huh. on this one. Yeah. <laughs> no surprise. No surprise. Well, I mean, I've been taking them throughout the whole playoffs and. So I have to stay consistent there. And I think I even said it I think I even said at the beginning of the playoffs like they got to go big or go home. Mm-hmm. And so if you've made it this far then you've got to make it the rest of the way. Well, and uh, I mean the odds are on your side. I think um I heard that uh the team winning game 1 is about 72 74 Let's say seventy, low seventy percent uh, has a low seventy percent chance of winning uh, the cup. Well, that'd be okay. Mm-hmm. And and it would seem to me, you know, I I, I whispered about this last round uh, that it seemed that the NHL had their thumb on the scales of justice uh, in favor of Vegas against the, the Winnipeg Jets. And, and we saw it a bit again last night, the turning point of the game being the Ryan Reeves goal. And that was, that was awful on the part of the, the officials with uh, Reeves cross-checking Carlson um, to the ice and then, uh, and then scoring. Uh, that certainly changed the entire game around. I'm not saying anything, but I'm going to, I'm going to go against the audience. The NHL, I'm going to go against everybody, and um, I'd say Caps in seven. Caps in seven? Uh-huh. Ooh, them's fighting words. 
So that means I have to decide how quickly the Vegas Golden Knights are gonna are gonna take those caps out of contention. Indeed, you do. Um. Okay. Well, it's the caps, and it's Alexander Ovechkin, and it, now he's like on the mission. You know, he's got something to prove now, and uh, you know, he's finally. He's finally beaten Pittsburgh and gotten through. And so he's going to make it a series. I'm going to say Vegas in six. Hmm. All right. I'm going to say Vegas in six. I've written our predictions down. I hope I'm going to be right. <laughs> Well, and we're and we're agreed on the AHL one, so. Indeed we are. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. You heard it here. We have our predictions in. Um, and for and for the Eastern Conference Finals, I I tip my hat. I had the Phantoms. Rick took the Marlies, and Rick ended up being right. So I tip my hat to you, sir. And thank you all for joining us for another uh, another fun episode of From the Press Box. We had a lot uh, we had a lot in the show today. It was always nice to have a special guest on board. We'll certainly uh, be sure to have Patrick on with us again sometime soon. Um, be sure to follow along at the AHL Report. We will be, continue to keep you updated on. Uh, everything that's happening with the Laval Rocket as more announcements happen, as the Canadians make uh, more signings and so forth. And, of course, plenty of news that will be coming out and happening at, in the weeks leading up to the draft. So follow us on Twitter at the AHL Report, at All Habs. You can find me at Flyers Rule. And, um, you know, check out all the great content we've got. Just because, you know, season hockey season is starting to wind down doesn't mean that we're going anywhere there really is no off season and we've got lots of excitement and news and things to talk about all throughout the year. Uh, so keep it, keep it with us. We'll have plenty of things to talk about for sure. And we will be back here again in June ah, next, <laughs> next Tuesday, uh, same bat time, same bat channel. Rick, thanks so much for being here again for another great episode of from the press box. And and a thoroughly packed episode, and and so much so, and I see a tweet here um, that uh, that we didn't we weren't able to talk about the Etienne uh, Marcus, so we'll put that uh, signing by the Laval Rocket. So we'll put that on the agenda. Oh uh, yes. For next week, and uh, and and talk a little bit about what that means uh, with four goaltenders in the stable in Laval, and uh, and two of the Canadians. What that all means. So we'll we'll put that top of the list next week. And and we'll talk about it then. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you back here on, uh, on From the Press Box and at the AHL Report next week. Have a great week and enjoy playoff hockey.